I believe that life is a quest, and we're all heroes on a journey of self-discovery. I'm on a mission to explore my potential, optimize my mind, body, and lifestyle, and master the game of life. Join me as I seek out some of the best guides and mentors on the planet, and unpack their brains for the magical weapons and roadmaps needed to help you reach your potential. My name is Ollie Herman Taylor, and I am a torchbearer. So, uh, first up, I want to welcome you guys, Sean, Mitch. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much for joining me. So, I just want to dive straight in, basically, and ask you a little bit about your stories and your backgrounds. So, Sean, are you you happy to kick off? Just tell us who you are. Um, So, I'm Sean. I'm one half of the... uh the business uh misses the other half wow wow <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, my background is uh from the military i spent eight years uh doing bomb disposal in the british army i left there four years ago after i left i kind of was in that lost space of i've done bomb disposal in the british army what can i actually do in the civilian world that even comes close to that and i kind of fell into coaching and personal training just as a kind of side thing while i was going to learn to be a paramedic and I fell in love with coaching that much. So I actually stopped my degree and done it full time. And that's when I met Mitch. I actually started Beyond Limits on my own for a week, got scared, found Mitch, and then we kind of done it together. It's kind of that that moment of uh, now we look back on it, it's that I would never have got anywhere if it wasn't both of us kind of, it was such a random meeting that when we'd done it. What scared you? Like when you when you set up the business on your own, I didn't realise that and you, you did yeah. it for a week. What was that moment of? It like, was kind fun. of my <laughs> my vision of what I wanted. I kind of was sitting there for a good week thinking, how am I going to do this on my own? Like I had, I had all the stuff set and it was that, how am I going to do this? Like I'm one man, I'm a one man band. I've got, what was it, 16 clients at the time. What, how am I going to do this on my own? And then me and Mitch started talking. It was like, actually, this... And then he, his belief system was so in line. There was one thing that I wasn't doing at the time. It was boot camps. I'd done them in the past. I built a boot camp for a different company and done well. I didn't want to do it again because I didn't want to come across like I was trying to do anything the same. And it was actually Mitch that sat there and was like, why? And then we started talking and Mitch kind of come up with the whole boot camp reason why we should do it. And then we just was like, well, let's do it together then. How do you get into the kind of fitness side of things? So was that through the army? Like when you were working in the army, yeah. you, obviously you're doing b- bomb disposal, which I don't know a lot about apart from like what you see in films, but it looks like it's kind of quite high stress. Yeah. Um, and you have to be perhaps a certain type of personality, you know, maybe fairly calm, level-headed. I don't know. So the, there's kind of there's a few different sides of bomb disposal. Um, my speciality area was bomb disposal search. So finding bombs was my speciality. And that was, you go into, in Afghanistan, it'd be walking down a road and you're looking for something that's been hidden, which is even worse because it's been hidden on the ground and it's been hidden from you. Yeah. And they know exactly how to hide it from you and they know how to hide it from your equipment. So you know full well that you're not supposed to find it. And it's that, um, you have to really get that level of self-belief very, very quickly. Like if you're walking down there thinking, this is the day, then that's not going to be the great day for you. So it's going to fuck everything else up. Basically, yeah. if you're thinking... You've got to have a very good, not cocky, but you've got to have a good understanding of your own abilities. Like if you don't know something, ask. That's kind of what I'm good at. If I don't know something, I'll just straight away ask someone. I don't care how I look. At, that's really interesting. Or. That's something I've learned in business is like having met really successful people from like worth $500 million plus or, you know, like less than that, but a couple of million or people who are just really good at what they do. 
I was amazed that they're not afraid to ask simple questions. And mm. I even look a bit silly at some, you know, some point because everyone else is there trying to kind of like, you know, massage their ego and like pretend yeah. they know everything. But I think it's a really important skill that I was really shit at and I've kind of learned to do better. Um, and so fitness is like um, from the army, you obviously need to keep yourself in shape so that you can perform at your best when you're mm. doing the work you were doing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it was the, the core thing in the military uh, fitness. I mean, they, they, when I was in, they lost their way and then um, CrossFit come around that become really big in the military. Um, I've done it because that's what we, we were doing, but that wasn't my side of fitness. My, my side of fitness was really pushing, trying to find out where my body can go. And I mean, when I originally started in fitness, it was kind of how, how I look because that's how we all get into it. And I'm a, I was a 22-year-old boy at the time, so that's exactly why we do the gym. And it wasn't until maybe six years into the military I, I was doing fitness. Like I was, there was um, like every few months we'd have to do a fitness test and it become my point to be the first man there. And there was, there's guys that were so much fitter than me and I'd look at a guy and I'd be like, three months on the you. And that'd be it, three months solid. I'd just smash myself for three months to beat him at this fitness test. Nine times out of ten worked, and but the, the, everyone knew I was doing that at that point. So it became this big competition that it was Sean trying to beat Jack, and oh, it's gonna be really funny on the day. We should watch it. Was it like pushing everyone else to compete a bit more? Yeah, it really become that thing. Like my team, even like in my team, I had seven guys under me, and I, I used to like run competitions. Then I fit with uh, we do fitness with the army in the eve, in the morning. Then I'd run another session in the afternoon, and we were the only team that would ever do it. That, at first they got the album they were like why are we doing this why are we doing this but when we was out on tour they were like I understand why we've done that now it makes sense because we were the best team out there we were the team that everyone wanted so it was that they were like everything we've done there was there was a point to it I may not have known the point when I've done it I was like we have to do this session because I want you to be the best and it wasn't until we got out on tour and I realised that doing them sessions and making them think about that and being the best actually made us the best. So you just knew it carried over into like yeah. whatever else you were doing. If you were performing at a peak level <clears throat> kind of fitness and in your body, then it would help you do other stuff better. Mm. Um, Mitch, like same question to you. Um, could you give us a bit of background, sort of, you know, introduce yourself, please? Yeah, so uh, I'm Mitch and I currently work in the London Fire Service as well as, as running Beyond Limits. Uh, I've been in the fire service for eight years now. Um, kind of joined out of just Broad luck, really. It was one of those. I, I never dreamt of being a firefighter. Just a, one of my mates was applying. I was like, I'm, I might as well apply, uh, apply as well because you can never have too many options. And I just got in. And then I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to have to kind of do this now. I've never even thought of going into a fire or anything like that. It was just kind of, it then became a challenge. And everyone was like, oh, I'm so proud of you for getting in and stuff like that. I was like, better do this now. <laughs> it's funny because it's one of those things. Like when you think about like being a fireman, it's, it's one of those things that you think kids, you know, like, typical five-year-old kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like a lot of people have that vision of, oh, I want to be a fireman or a doctor or something like that. But yeah. that wasn't the case for you. You were just right. basically like, <laughs> I need to apply. Cause for me, I just, I was always, always looking to, to get to the next level and actually have some kind of purpose. I, w- I always wanted to be a business owner. I always knew that I was going to be striving for that. I tried a few different businesses. Um, just before me and Sean started, uh, Beyond Limits, I actually was hiring out supercars that just happened okay. from meeting somebody in Ibiza. Right, um, okay. But it, 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 <laughs> As you do. Yeah, it, it was with a friend and like, but it was never going anywhere. It was never, it was kind of good for a month. We was living a, a nice life, just Did you get to drive them? Right? Yes, but we didn't, um, we spent all the money on champagne. We was trying, <laughs> yeah. to, we was trying to go down 
a different route. And it was only when obviously I, I saw Sean in the gym and he needed saving, obviously. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it was only when uh, I sat down, <laughs> sat down with Sean. I'd been working as a, um, as a personal trainer for the whole time that I was doing the, the fire service as well. That came about as I needed to get my fitness up. And okay. a friend had his own fitness company and he was like, oh, come and work with me. But even when I was doing it, I knew that being a personal trainer wasn't for me. I didn't, I enjoyed fitness. I enjoyed coaching, but I didn't enjoy personal training. I didn't enjoy. What was it that you didn't enjoy about it? Like the. I couldn't be bothered to study if I'm okay. completely honest. The, okay. the, the, the sitting there and, and like going into more depth about the actual, how the body works and stuff like that. I just couldn't retain the information and okay. I just. I couldn't find the time with doing the fire service, then actually doing the personal training to actually sit down and study and better my knowledge. Okay. Um, and then obviously me and Sean came together to do Beyond Limits and I found I absolutely loved boot camp because it was it was more coaching than it was personal training. So I could yeah. actually push people that little bit further and I found that I was very good at getting the best out of other people. And then when me and Sean sat down and was like, let's bring on some coaches so they can do the personal training and the coaching, Again, I found I found my role, and that was I could now get these guys to do the studying and the stuff that I didn't I didn't do. I could coach them into being the personal trainer that I would have liked to have been. So you could kind of like steer the ship a little bit in terms of the direction of the business, but you could kind of hire talent. The guys that had a real passion for learning and the fitness industry, I could guide them because I didn't have a role model to sit, sort of put pressure on me to yeah. to get that stuff done, and now. When they're in the office with me, I'm like, have you done this? Have you done that? And I'm really trying to, Sean is as well, we're really trying to push them to be the best coaches that they can be. Um, and they're flourishing with it. I think there's a really interesting point in the fitness industry because I like I spent probably about between 12 and 14 years kind of personal training. And um, there's a point where you have to like switch from being like a personal trainer, hands-on to like a business owner. Yeah. And it's actually quite a difficult switch, I think, for a lot of people to make in the industry. And so I think it's great if you can find people who just want to, they want to study and they want to train people and that's all they want to do. And they don't want to do marketing. They don't want to do sales. You know, they don't want to run the business because at the end of the day, those are the bits that actually make the business grow. It's, it's a really good combination. I mean, we, we went through a good, I'd say, five different coaches before we found us who we've got now. Yeah. They just, we, they just didn't fit what we what we wanted and we, it was we made every mistake hiring people every mistake you could make hiring someone we made that mistake it was do you hire any friends like all yeah and that went badly that <laughs> it ended badly on two occasions very badly yeah, yeah. people take away our clients and uh, stuff like that and then go say derogatory things about us I mean we even got nicknamed Dumb and Dumber at one point well, which, by like people who used to work for you and then yeah we had this yeah. guy that worked for us and he was kind of a friend in the gym he come on board and he was he was such a good friend and it was like, he was so good at what he'd done. It was like, this just makes sense. Like, you're a friend, is he? Like, it just makes so much sense. We had such a good laugh doing it. And then one day he left his Facebook, like his Facebook on the on the computer. I went on, flicked the mouse over. as a message from one of my own clients, not, not in his client that he has with us, saying, um, uh, oh yeah, so wh when's that company starting? Uh, I'm going to cancel my membership tomorrow. And I was like, what's that? So I called Miss. I was like, Miss, I've just seen this. I don't want to click anything else. Then we had a little conversation and then um, that client came in to train with me and I just tore them for a session and they were like, I'll take it you heard about Luke. I was like, no, but you're going to tell me now, aren't you? And then they, they just told me everything and then, uh, yeah, he just kind of got, he tried to take all of our clients but now he works a nine to five job in, in an office that he hates because he and, and we didn't have the business acumen that 
which is what we said we'd deliver. So it backfired on him. Yeah, yeah. we really run with the dumb and dumber comment now. We actually embraced it and we used that hashtag ourselves. So you used it to your advantage, basically. Yeah, we, we actually quite like being dumb and dumber. When we, when we do an event or something quite <laughs> large, we'll be like, oh, dumb and dumber at it again. <laughs> because actually, we actually are. Like, we mm. just managed to get that way. <laughs> I think that's an interesting thing about social media nowadays is that people basically will just try and sabotage and yes. hijack. Uh, and attack you, especially if you're doing quite well or if you've got something that that's, looks promising. That's exactly what we just found. We found that um, when we're on a good streak and we're getting things right and things are going really well, the amount of people that would jump on the whole bandwagon of trying to drag us back down. Yeah. But when we're at a down point, during that, that level of business, when you're at a down point, people just leave you alone. Yeah. When you're, when you're doing well, yeah. They're on you, they're on you, they're on you. When you look like you're kind of doing better than some other people, they want to mm. kind of, yeah, drag you, you back down. It's like the crabs in the bucket, you know, they, yeah. they're kind of little sand crabs and one tries to make a break for the edge of the bucket and the others just grab it and pull it back down. Mm. Um, so did you, you met in the gym? Yes. So you didn't know each other before? No. Okay, and you met in the gym. And then when when I like hear about Beyond Limits and when I like hear both of your stories, because it's quite a powerful combination, like uh, army bomb disposal, mm. like firefighter and... I kind of see that you've got this real vision for how you want your business to be, how you want your brand to be, and what sort of impact you want it to make. So what I want to ask you, first of all, is what, what do you actually do at Beyond Limits? Obviously, it's fitness, and we understand that. But like, can you break it down into what's, you know, like who do you help? How do you do it? Um, what's a typical kind of week in Beyond Limits? So basically, we help um, predominantly our client base is, is mums. But we also get, we get a real mixture of people. And most of it is people that... They just want to be pushed in that in that militant style. They love the direct nature and the somewhat aggressive nature of of, of how we coach people. Um, but our first one is we we try and we instill belief into people, and and we do that in terms of like when we're training them and they they're ready to stop. It's not like um, you will do this. It's a come on, you've got this. Show me what more you've got. How much more can you push? Like uh, I'll, I'll use one of our clients as an example. She had um, a harness attached to her with with three tires on, and right, okay. she she needed to drag them to the to the top of the road. It was two rugby fields and back, an unachievable task when you're looking at it. Yeah. And she struggled her way to to the top. She got to the top, and then she had to go back. And the other clients was all doing it in partners. I said, "But well, once you're done, come back, and you, you you need to help Megan." When she got back, when they when the other clients got back to her, she had about half of the other pitch left to go. And we said to the other clients, "You're not allowed to touch the tires. You're not allowed to help her. All you're allowed to do is encourage her." And with that, she sort of got her head down. Everyone got round her, and she completed it. Afterwards, she was like, "I never ever thought I would be possible that it would be possible to do that." And since then, her training has gone upper level because her belief system has stepped up again um and that's what we're trying to do with all of our sessions now it's more about the belief um and then they can take that into their everyday life so they come up against a struggling work or at home all they need to do is remember like it's just temporary and i just need to get that breakthrough just like i did when i was dragging those tires that's really nice and because uh, i think like you know hearing your stories initially you know you could both be quite alpha male trainers and you know but it sounds like you don't take the kind of uh, the approach that a lot of people with maybe a military background or a service background fire service like just shouting at people and basically kind of breaking them down it sounds like you're actually trying to build people up and kind of give them that self-belief yeah. which you, you mentioned at the, the very beginning so what like oh, the name is kind of like it's obvious like beyond limits we can all work out what what that says to us but it is obviously goes deeper for you guys so what does it mean to you individually like beyond limits and you know 
what's that whole concept? So that's exactly what Mitch just described about Megan there is that each individual can push beyond their perceived limit. Like everyone's got their own limit they think they have. Like you'll have, um, like Mitch said about mums, they're, they're a perfect example. I mean, to give birth to a child is a big thing. If you can give birth to a child, you can achieve pretty much anything. Yeah. And it's just, and you got like a lot of mums kind of, they they, uh, they give birth and then like, oh, I've got a child now. And um, they kind of have that really low bit. And that's what we try and get people out of. And you even have that with dads, you even have that with normal people. It's just everyone's in that, I, I'm only capable of this and that is it. I can only, like gym guys, for example, I can only bench 100 kilos. But it's, it's, it's mine and Mitch's mission to make sure that people push past what they think they can do and even further. Um, like that exact same example with Megan, she went from dragging those tires to competing in their fitness event a month later, and she only competed in that fitness event because of that that happened there. She's like, I can do it. Yeah, we'll do the event then. All right, that's fine. And this is what really kind of like when I met you guys in Spain. This is what really resonated with me because what I try and do with my coaching reset is, is like helping people kind of unlock potential because I think everyone's got like untapped potential in them. It doesn't have to be just like fitness potential. Um, you know, it can be business potential. Maybe you could start a business and be really successful, but a lot of people don't have the confidence or the self-belief. They have limiting stories and mindsets that hold them back, which could just be like, you know, improving a relationship, being a better parent, being a better husband or wife or kind of like just uh, pretty much anything. And so I think it's really, really nice to have that sort of uh, that mindset component and, you know, helping people break through these limitations and barriers. Mm. And do you see examples, like, for example, you mentioned Megan and she did a kind of fitness event, like a, was it like an obstacle race or? Uh, it, was a, it was called the Power Game. It's kind of like a, you have a weight bag and you do maybe six or seven stations and it's time. So you go up the stations, down the stations or um, there's just like little bits like that. It's all made harder by either wearing an altitude mask or you're going up. Up a hill or down it, it's kind of made more difficult by the scenario there. It's hell. It was I had to do it. It was actually the day we come back from Spain. Yeah, I did see you. I saw you post on Facebook that you were you were going straight in to do the event. Yeah, do do you see you like with your clients, like people who break through these barriers, like when they're training, when they're in the boot camp setting? Do you see that overflow into other areas of their life? Like, do you hear little stories? Do they tell you things so that they've improved? You know, it's helped them handle something at work or you know, some kind of situation. It's something we're moving into trying to monitor a little bit more closely because we do want to measure the impact that it's having. But just in terms of like a lot of the clients glow and, and their confidence, the way they hold themselves, we, we do see that um, a lot mm. more. I mean, people like Claire is a perfect example. It came came to uh, Sean lack of confidence and, and lack of self-esteem and stuff. And now she's like the front runner within the boot camps. And she's she's a mentor to a lot of the guys that that we have coming in. Yeah, Claire's Claire's a she's a mum. She has a part time job. Her husband um, has a full time job. She's got two children, one with a uh, disability. And she still finds the time to train. Um, and it's kind of like I didn't know half of the stuff about Claire then as I do now. But at the time, it was, she comes to me. She had no confidence. Um, she wanted to change her body, so that's what we did. And then it became very apparent that that wasn't the body that she wanted to change. It was her mindset and everything around it. But obviously, she's a strong woman. She wants to give birth to, she's got a son with a disability and he needs to see that kind of role model. And he's he's a really strong boy as well. Like he he doesn't even act like he's got a disability at, at, at all. Like it's it's a visual disability, but you don't, like if when you talk to him, it's just talking to a normal one. He's, he's so mature that I feel like I'm talking to an adult when I talk to him. And he gets that from her. 
And the example she gives us is when like, she competes in all the, the fitness competitions we do. Every single fitness competition we do, Claire's there. Every event we do, Claire's there. And she's one of those quiet ones that you're going for events in a competition and you go through, you go through, it's like, Claire's in the final. Like, when did Claire get to the final? <laughs> so she just gets her head down, like basically on the exactly, Yeah. And th- that yeah. goes through to her personal life. Like, it expands onto her son and her son kind of sees her achieving all these great things that all these other mums aren't doing yeah who have got like she's in the same scenario as a normal mum but she's so much she's got so much more to offer because of this side of her that no one else sees I think this is really nice because sometimes people just need the right environment to flourish in Mm. and like they maybe go through sort of some parts of life feeling they're not that good at something and then you put them into a certain situation and actually like leadership comes out or like hey you can just get your head down and grind through Mm. And get to the final in a fitness event. So I think that's really nice. Also, like you talked about the, her son with a disability. My kids last year taught me a little saying because, like, my kids really like quotes, like you know, kind of success quotes and personal development quotes. Sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's always like writing them out. But they came back from school, and I think it was when the Paralympics were on, and, and they they came back with a little quote, which was, "The only disability is a bad attitude." And I just thought, like, that's a really, really good one. Sure. And there'd be times in my life where I've had a bad attitude about stuff, like business times where sometimes business isn't going the way you want or a marketing campaign or coaching club, whatever it may be. And, you know, you you can get sucked into kind of blaming other people and like uh, having a bad attitude, if you like, which like kind of leads me on to, I wanted to ask you a little bit about like you personally, like, you know, kind of what does it mean to you in your lives to kind of push beyond beyond limits and kind of break through limits? Like, are there any examples of if, in your personal life, how you've, how you apply what you teach other people so there's one example that we've only recently discovered that we both have and it's it's something we maybe should have known at the beginning um so when i joined the military i had no direction in life at all um i didn't know what i was doing where i was going i'd left sixth form a year early um with a teacher telling me there's no point you continuing you're never going to achieve anything anyway so there's no point so i left i got a job in london as just an admin assistant and it was kind of like this is my life now i do the nine to five in london and I'm going to be an office worker forever. Um, How did that make you feel? It's kind of like that, is this all I'm ever going to be? Yeah. Like surely there's got to be more to life than this. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in like what people's mm. journeys and what- like my, my brother-in-law is really successful. He, he's done nine to five all his life. And he's really successful, but it just, like he really helped me, he helped me find jobs and stuff, but it's not me. Like I, I can't do it. I didn't know I couldn't until I'd done it. And I was like, this isn't, I don't know what I am, but this isn't what I am. And then I, I fell into um, an army recruiting office. And then all of a sudden I, I went for the recruiting office. I went basic training as this kind of guy that didn't know what he wanted in life to, I ended up, at this point I'd never achieved anything, anything in my life. No grades, no, there's nothing of note before I turned 21 of me doing anything in my life until here. And then I joined the military. I come top of my base training, top of my second phase training, top of my communications training, top of my bomb disposal training. It was just a constant feed of, and it was just, you mentioned it earlier, the wet, like you put someone that's not so good at stuff into a place. And then all of a sudden they're very good at something. And that was mine. And uh, uh, Mitch's kind of backstory is similar, which is we only just learned was Mitch had no direction before the fire service. There was no like, pointing you in the direction and go that way. And that's kind of where we go with the company. It's people come to us like, I want to lose weight. And then Mitch, Mitch, 
big thing now is trying to find out what's the real reason because everyone wants to lose weight. Like every, everyone you speak to wants to lose weight. Yeah. But what's the real reason? I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Because I feel ashamed of myself. That's the reason. You don't want to lose weight. You don't want to feel ashamed of yourself. That's what you want. Yeah. And that's what we want to get into. We want to get. We, we don't want to concentrate on the body, like how you look. How you look is a byproduct of what we do. How you feel and how you act and how your attitude is what we want to give them. That's our product. The side, the side sort of thing of that side effect of that is a, a body transformation. I really, really like this. I, I call it like kind of working on health and fitness from the inside out. And yeah. so I think that um, like most people come to a trainer, a coach, a boot camp because you know they want to lose weight. And there's usually an aesthetic driver, but that's that stuff like is the quick fix stuff that never lasts. And mm. I think you've just described like really, really nicely the kind of secret to long term results. Basically, if you want to get results, whether it's weight loss, fitness, you know improve your body composition like for life it's actually about kind of getting into those deep those deep kind of reasons another thing I think is interesting is because I'm quite a creative person I've always been quite a hyper creative person and I had a a clothing company and I used to design clothing and so I've always like always worked for myself and always been like an, an entrepreneur but before I did that, I left university. And before I started my clothing company, I was actually wanted to go into the Marines. And I really, really wanted to join the Royal Marines. And I became obsessed with it for about uh, six months. And I started to train and had my first interview. And I met my wife at a similar time, about halfway through. And that won. So I obviously didn't want it enough. And I might not have made it in because it sounded quite hardcore, the training. But there's something about the structure and the routine of like training and working towards something and having a kind of... Um, actually having like rules and a system to follow that actually I found really appealing and helped me kind of become a better person in some ways. It sounds like you try and kind of give that framework to ordinary people to help them. For me, I look at it, you should always be progressing in something. So I've got quite a weird like analogy of how I, I look at myself and I'm trying to get our clients and our coaches to look at as well. So I look at it like, you know, like when you're on a computer game and say you was playing like uh, FIFA, for instance, you can click on a player and it comes up their stats, Mm. but you've only got a certain amount of points that you can upgrade on each thing. So you have to get focused on one area and increase your stats on that, then move on, increase your stats on that. And then as you keep upgrading your skills on each of those stats, your overall stat increases. So for instance, if... So in business right now, I'm, I'm working more on the sales side of things because I looked at my, my stats and I realized that one of my weaker areas was sales. So I'm going to level up on my sales for the next three months and then I'll pick on my next weakest point, which will probably be marketing and design. And then I'll level up on that. And then from that, my overall stat will increase. And it's the same within um, with our, within our clients in terms of if we're going to do it in fitness points and it's like, right, you need to improve on your squat. We'll build that up. Okay, now you're at a point. Now we're going to move on to that one and build that up. And then we can start looking at like the mental side of things. Rather than giving everything it and concentrating on everything at once, we, we get really super focused on one element and then level up from there. So how do you blend the fact that people want quick results with the fact that you've just described like building the real solid foundation, which I think is amazing because that's, that's what results, that's what lasting results comes from. Mm-hmm. Like you just tackle and focus on one piece of the puzzle yeah. and then you get really good at that and then you kind of stack things up and but you have, that, have to have that solid foundation. But obviously you're dealing with the reality of people who probably want to kind of see results. And I know from when I've worked with people in the past on weight loss, I learned that I needed to get them a quick result in the first 30 days just 
because they would they would take my word for stuff, but they wouldn't trust me until they saw the scales go down or the tape measure go down to go down, and then they would um, go, oh, okay, I, I understand now. How do you blend the fact that you're trying to give people proper we're, habits? With- we're getting to the point now, and it's, it's 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 been a tough transition, and we're still going through this transition. But it's, if you want the quick results, mm. I'll give you a list of companies that will get you quick results within thirty days. If you want to build a lifestyle change, because I honestly want to change your life in all these different aspects then I need longer than 30 days of you. You either believe in our system and take it on board and level up from there, or there is these quick fixes, but once that quick fix has run out, then come and see It's us. kind of twofold. It's like the, Mitch, Mitch was saying, like his, his side of it now is sales. And it's, we don't, both don't like sales because we don't like selling something we don't believe in, whereas this is actually quite easy. Because like, when, when you think about sales, you think about someone in a call centre selling insurance. Like yeah. they, not all of them, sorely believe that the other person on the other end of that phone will their life will be made better by selling this thing and that's what you need to do so that's where Mitch can be really passionate because he knows that this can help people but it's that diagnosing someone and saying this is the problem you're in and this is how you can get there and it's that realisation of that person thinking you know what that is actually it if they don't have that realisation then they can go somewhere else and the other end of it the, other, the second thing is um, achieving so Mitch said it's all about these little goals so if you're continually achieving you forget about this body image you're like oh, my squat was wicked then I've done this this thing oh look I've done 40 burpees like, like two weeks ago now I've just done 110 like that's amazing it's that constant constant sense of achievement achievement and that's only going to do someone the world of good and if they're achieving in all these areas in fitness their body's going to change it's just the way it works I think one of our biggest mistakes when we got when we first got started is is we did exactly that. We offered people these quick solutions because that's what the media and that's what everyone else was saying. This is the only way to to get fit. And as a as a personal trainer, you need to be able to transform someone's life in six weeks. But in doing that, we lost what we believe in. Uh, so we had to strip it all back. And and like I said, it's now to the point. If if you want quick results, then that's not what we provide. So I'll I'll politely tell you where you can go to get that. But we're here for to, to actually change people's lives. And if you're willing to commit to a longer term program, then we will guarantee that we can do that for you. But we're not going to waste our time and your time on something that we don't believe in. And that's where you start to feel shit about yourself and feel like you are selling something is when you're trying to give mm. people what you think they want. Yeah. But like so many businesses, certainly in like I think the health and fitness space, especially when you're starting out, you know, you, you want people to kind of like think that they're going to get exactly what they want and you kind of try and shape your offer around them yeah. but the one the businesses that last and the brands that are the strongest ones are we understand you we kind of know what you need um, and we're going to help you get from A to B and we have a really strong process we call this uh, lighting the beacons in, in our business brand Lighthouse we call it lighting the beacons and I, I know you've got a good solid process which I want to come back to later but yeah I think it's really interesting like making that shift from yeah. shit, we've got to pander to the client. You know, the client's always right, the customer's always right to actually like we know what we're doing, we're experts, we'll help you understand your goals better and achieve them. Yeah. Talking about morning routines, that's what I want to do next because um I'm a little bit fascinated by morning routines and I've tried loads of different ones. And I study like success and I study personal development and I just read a ton. And there seems to be a commonality between a lot of successful people in different areas is that they have some kind of routine, often a morning routine, and like the same kind of things come up, you know, there's often a bit of fitness or movement, there's often a bit of meditation, there's some nutritional component maybe, and, you know, there are loads of other bits and pieces could be time with the family. I just, do you, either of you have like a solid morning routine? For, for me, I'm, I'm 
I'm pretty rubbish with that. I, I try different routines, but my biggest problem is consistency. Um, I'll do something well for three weeks and then I'll, I'll lose interest in it or try something else. Is that because um, you get bored? Or? Yeah, I think a, a, an element of it is to where I get bored. Uh, but the other element is obviously where I'm doing the fire service as well. It's very difficult to have a, have a routine. So if I'm on a night shift, I could be out five times in that night um, and then I'm tired and everything's sort of out of place because it's four days on, four days off. It's very hard to stick to a genuine routine. Um, so the, the one thing that I've found works for me is to just wake up, have a coffee and just, just sit there for 20 minutes and drink my coffee and just chill with no... Like, I find if I wake up and I put myself straight under pressure to do work, then I, I have a rubbish day. And I think... Um, mm. me and Sean touched upon this the other day we, we used to get to the point where we had to be at the gym for 6am for no apparent reason other than if we wasn't at the gym from 6am till 10pm we felt guilty it was like I'm not doing enough but in, in reality we just needed to chill and actually enjoy being business owners rather than being so hard on ourselves isn't it someone actually said to us the other day uh, it was on a night out and they said I think that they made a comment about getting up and going to the gym and Mitch was like, I don't, I haven't got up before eight o'clock this week at all. And she said, oh, did you not know that every billionaire in the world gets up at 20 past four? Mitch was like, I'm going to be the first one that wakes up at eight o'clock. Because <laughs> what's the point? Like, my morning routine is, my, mine's kind of just, I just get it done. I'm very, if I've got to be out of the house by half past, say, if, say I've got to be out of the house by six, I'll wake up at half five. I'll give myself half hour to wake up, brush my teeth, do my hair, put my clothes on, go. And that's, that is it. I'll do that. I'll make my bed and that is it. That's kind of the only thing that I make sure is done before I leave the house with the bed's yeah. made and that's it, I'm out. Do you make your bed every morning? Yeah. And yeah. why do you do that? Is there a reason for that? I just thought it's just I'm the same me. with that as well. It's just in me to do it. So you both make your beds yeah. like in the morning and yeah. you, like always. Because this is a really interesting thing because like a lot of people like say that this is a principle of success. I don't know if you've read this or listened about yeah, this. Yeah, I've, I've read a lot. Yeah, you know, like if you can do one thing in the morning, Mm. make your bed and then they're kind of like you're setting the tone for the rest of the day uh, and that's kind of interesting like I struggle with that because my wife is usually in it when I get up because I usually <laughs> get up quite early and so you know she doesn't appreciate it when I start kind of like moving the duvet around but yeah no, that's interesting to know that that's something that you both do it's to the point where like there was a day last year or, or actually this year um, where my mum phoned me and she said I was in your room today and your bed was made you're right yeah, fine. So, really, so she thought there might be something going on in your she life. She thought I'd rushed out the house that quick. I was like, honestly, I was just, I, my alarm didn't go off. My phone was dead. Like, my phone had broken, so the charger didn't go off. So I woke up at like 10 to 6, and I'd be at the gym at 6. Oh, so just ran. Yeah. And it just completely set my mind. My mom actually thought something had severely happened because my bed wasn't made. So one thing I think is interesting about this is I think a lot of people read and study success <laughs> and they think, right, okay, there's, I've got this like um, kind of like beef, I guess, with like people who say you can model other successful people and if you just learn about what they're doing and you kind of try and incorporate some of the same stuff into um, your routine then you'll get similar results in terms of success and I think that's fucking bullshit and I think a lot of people are being led astray with that kind of uh, that mentality and I think it's a bad side of the personal development kind of industry and the thing is that those those people those billionaires those geniuses the Elon Musks the Mark you know they're probably going to be successful like whatever they're doing it doesn't it's not dependent on necessarily a morning routine yeah. however i think there are really good principles and things yeah. that people need to incorporate think, into I their think life it becomes down to your your core belief and i also think like going back to like the the making the bed and, and i think your bedroom in itself is a reflection of your mind um like if you're if like for instance if i pull out my my sock drawer and it's very messy, 
I say to myself, right, Mitch, you need to chill out for a couple of days. You're, everything's 100 miles an hour. Like, that is a reflection of my mind. If it's tidy, I'm like, yeah, things are in a good place. And I think that's the same with with, with Sean and his bed and stuff like that. It's, if, you're, if your room is messy, it's because things are, are 100 miles an hour. And sometimes it's a reflection to say, okay, let's just take an hour out and get things back sorted and then we can sort of start again. Because your life is messy like the rest of you. Yeah. yeah. What stresses you out, Mitch? Everything. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. The, way um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the biggest stress for me is not knowing what to do next um, and not having a clear, clear path. I spend a hell of a lot of time just sitting down and strategizing my next move. And then I get frustrated when I can't do it or I quickly lose interest in it. I'm like, I need to get back to that. So for me, yeah, it's just having that, that clear path and structure and implementing it, to be honest. So you need to know what you're doing next. Like, yeah. Sean, what stresses you out? Um, like, uh, what I, I mean for, is like a major thing, not, not I, like... It. I think for me, it's kind of something not following a process that I've kind of in my head. So when, when we think of doing something, while we're talking about doing it, I've already mapped it in my head. I know how we're going to get from A to B and I know what we're going to use to get there. And it's kind of almost in my head. If we don't follow that, then I get really stressed and pissed because I'm like... But it's not going to work unless we do it this way because this is the way that we can do it. If we don't do it this way, then it's not going to work. So you get very attached to the process. And that's where we yeah. can clash in business because I'm also very stubborn. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing it like that. And then he's like, but, and I'm like, well, I'm still not doing it. <laughs> and then so, we have to come to a compromise. So how do you like, how have you learned to adapt? Because obviously like two people, two people owning a business, working together, like training clients together, working on a daily basis. You spend a lot of time together. You both got strong personalities and, you know, clear ideas about what you want. How do you not like butt heads all the time? We clash in a big way. Yeah. But we know why we're clashing. This, that's been a new thing that we've found out. And it was when we went to Spain with you, we had done that personality test and we realised who we actually are deep down. Like, our, Mitch is a very creative person and he needs to be given that space to be creative because that's just who he is. You can't, like, to deny him that is just to deny him dinner. Like, it just makes no sense. Yeah. And for me, I'm a, a practical person that works on processes. That's kind of what we've realised. So we've, change the company around to suit that now like I do things that Mitch used to do because it made no sense for Mitch to do that so like the us us kind of butting heads we, we'll butt heads in a meeting but we know why we're doing it like I know that Mitch is doing it because maybe maybe he in his creative mind he's come up with something that looks amazing in 10 years and I'm like yeah but we're, we're not there now we're what about next week yeah. yeah and it's just about becoming very self-aware of our own feelings mm. so when Sean is shutting down one of my ideas I can feel myself getting boiled up. I'm like, this is, this is that gold. Why are you not, why are you not getting this? But then once we come out the meeting and not, like, I don't react to him saying no, it, then I went, oh yeah, yeah, all right. He was probably right. So do you occasionally blow up and have like, a proper shouting match just to clear the air? Never yeah. really shout. No, not shouting, but you can like the, when we actually had a meeting yesterday and it was there, like we, I had a way, I was doing something <laughs> and Mitch was like, Mitch was like 10 years in the future and I was here, like, no, it, what about this though? And the lads are in between it and they're like, oh, and you can see it on their faces like, oh, but we know we're not, we're not arguing personally. We're just trying to hash it out to find the best thing. And by the end of it, we've got this whiteboard and it's Matt's. It's really cool. Who holds a grudge? Do either of you hold a grudge? Uh, I'm probably more the grudge holder. I'll, I'll usually text him in the evening and be like, you're I, I'm, still I, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> we're still in business. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's not so much a grudge. I just, I just go quiet and I'm just like, I'll you just need to. Yeah, take on, I yeah. think I'll usually message him just to be like, "This has happened because of this." Because when I'm quite practical, I'll practicalize it. And I, I get it from my dad. Like, this happened because of this reason, 
and now we're going to do this and this. Okay. And, where, and where I'm really stubborn, if you don't message me, then it could be a week. It's the same. Okay. With, it's the same with the missus. <laughs> if we have an argument, <laughs> then unless she unless she messages yeah. me, even if I'm in the wrong, if, if unless she messages me, you won't speak. <laughs> and uh, like Sean, it sounds like you kind of because you're process driven, you don't attach too much emotion to some of that, and you're like more like, okay, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. We've got, these are the steps, and it's mm. not like uh, you're trying to keep your feelings aside. Yeah. Whereas perhaps because you've got a more creative kind of. Uh, personality type Mitch you, you maybe get a, a bit more emotional you feel it a bit more is that fair yeah I, I, I take a lot of stuff to heart and carry a lot of emotion and not great about speaking about them because it's a personal yeah. insult like mm. what do you mean yeah. <laughs> what do you mean my idea is not amazing yeah okay. yeah so I need to just take myself away from a situation and just sort of find my own way and before we started recording we were having a bit of a, a chat and you we, we touched on a kind of point of like what I call, for, I think for entrepreneurs and business owners, especially if you are a kind of one man band or if you have worked on your own before, I think in, there's something I call the darkness, which can come in. And I've, I've had this a lot on and off in the last, God, like 20 years, which is getting quite depressed, getting into quite deep pits and staying there for uh, quite a long time. Uh, in fact, one of them I had lasted for about three years, where it was just uh, everything was fucked and like it just apathy and there was a lot of stuff that went into that kind of getting to that point I call it the edge of the desert and um, it may not be that dramatic and major for people but I think all business owners need to know that actually it's quite a normal part of the process to get these little moments of darkness and I know that you were speaking yeah it's, it's huge I mean I, I, I spend a lot of time in them dark places a lot of the time um, like I'll be a hundred mile an hour on something for a couple of weeks and then I literally just have a couple of days where I'm kind of having like a mini meltdown and I'm like, I'm not good enough. There's self-doubt. Is this going to work? Then it's like, it's that person's fault, that person's fault, that person's fault. And then it's like, actually, no, it's my fault. I can't blame other people. And then I'll try and find things to get me out of that state. Um, and it, it's, it's just a, a case of, of of letting it run its course and then giving myself a kick up the arse to... To, to get myself back to the gym and get back focused or it does mean me reaching out to Sean or something like that. I think me and Sean both suffer with it um, where when one thing goes wrong, we analyse everything that's gone wrong in the whole of our life. Sean sums it up really well with an analogy around the box um, that you did on one of your live videos the other day. First up, you got the... I kind of learned it when I was in therapy after the army. It was kind of um, in the army when you lose someone... If you're if you're out in Afghanistan, you're you're at war and you're doing a job and you lose someone, doesn't mean that everyone goes back to camp and you mourn. You've still got like when we lost um, when we lost Peanut, we were an hour into the job. We had four or five days left. He died in a very very dramatic way, and we literally put him on a helicopter. And ten minutes later, we were back to working. We you just got you can't. It's got to go somewhere, so it goes in the box. And then when you when you feel like say uh, maybe six years down the line someone else dies, I, I'm not grieving that person. I'm also grieving everything else is in the box. When you can't. Just, it's not a toy box. You can't open it. Take something out. Close it. Yeah. To you open it, everything comes out, and you've got to let it. Because that's where I, I had my biggest issue when my my whole box opened and it was a very, in a very big way, and it was kind of I had to learn that that's okay. You just got to let it happen. Once it happens, for whatever reason, that box is open. Sometimes it's, it's an involuntary thing. Something will happen, like Mitch saying, like something will go wrong. All of a sudden, box is open, and you, you you're going through it all again. You just got to realise that that's a process that you just have to deal with. And once you take ownership of that, 
it's easy. You've got your own, like Mitchell saying, he, he knows the steps that he's going to go through and that makes those steps a little bit easier because you know you're going through and I'll, I'll turn the lights off in my bedroom and I'll put a box set on and I'll just watch TV for a day. I'll tidy my room or that'll be it. I'll just, I won't, no one will know I'm alive for a day. I'll just disappear. So basically you're kind of like withdraw and just like give yourself time. You like, yeah. it's a case of like recognising what's happening yeah. and then like kind of unplugging a little bit from what you're doing normally and understanding that there's no kind of like positive little mantra or, you know, if someone says, oh, it's going to be all right, you know, that doesn't necessarily no. help. You've just got to give it the You've process. Because when you open the box, it's, everything goes back in the box. You're always going to feel those things, but when they come out, you have to feel them to put them back in. You have to pick them up and every time you touch them, you feel it. So you've just got to feel everything that's in there. It's not like, it's not, oh, I feel I'm grieving for Peanut and now I'm grieving for Lisa, now I'm grieving for this. It's not that, you just, you have those emotions. You don't know why you have them, but knowing that it's because everything that's happened in your entire life is in this box and you just got to feel it. That's, it's, 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 it's a comforting thing to know that there is a reason why you feel the way you feel. It's yeah. because when, when bad things happen to us in the, in, in the military, in the fire service, you don't have that time. Like if I go to a bad fire, right now and then I go back to station in 10 minutes it's that 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 job happened now it's on to the next job or you don't ever have real real time to process it so like so said it goes in a box and it can be something like as simple as a couple of clients cancelling a contract that you wasn't expecting you're like oh no I'm not good enough but now it's you're not even thinking about the the client cancelling it's all the other stuff that's coming back out of that box and then you just go into that real spiral and and again haven't I've done therapy as well and it just allowed us to understand why we was feeling them ways and now it's just about I'm still not great at it um, um yes yeah, it's, it's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is is working out how to deal with that but I think we're both getting a lot better at it aren't we mm. and I know that you'd like um you mentioned that you had some experience with the kind of Grenfell Tower incident yeah and I know that you can't talk about everything. <laughs> you've both been exposed to some quite extreme stuff. And so when I talk about like the darkness from an entrepreneurial kind of uh, standpoint, I'm very conscious in the back of the mind, my mind that I no one's died um, and I haven't witnessed like some horrific things necessarily. And I think that's interesting because I think some people beat themselves up about the fact that um, what they're dealing with might be a minor thing. I think all, all problems are relative to the person and the situation, mm-hmm. but obviously because you've got really good experience of actual proper uh say trauma and difficult processing difficult events and it's something that you've had to actually deal with in your own lives yeah. i'd love to ask you if you can or for anyone listening who's struggling with something and it doesn't have to be that they've uh, had something hugely traumatic but it could just be they're really depressed they're down a relationship's broken their business is you know kind of really kind of getting run into the ground if, if, if someone's struggling with something major in their lives what sort of steps or advice can you give them to just uh, understand the process and like not basically not punish themselves and kind of try and understand there's a light at the end of the tunnel uh, I'd say to definitely reach out reach out to somebody and, and because what I found is something that was a massive deal to you once you air it to somebody and get their opinion you're like actually I don't even know why I was bothered about that um, do you know what I mean that's so, something me and Mitch actually do quite a lot I'll get I don't get emotionally attached to sort of like what like you say about processing that but there's things that I I don't know why I do it but I'll get emotionally attached to other things and I'll text Mitch and go never guess what this is this and this I'm this I'm this but now I'll text and go right this has happened this has happened I've got the ump and he'll text me back going 
you shouldn't have the alcohol. Cool. Well, I don't have the alcohol. So, so basically, talk like sharing it. Yeah, like sharing. if there's someone you you trust, because obviously part of what you do is do unplug yourselves for a bit and kind of you know just have some time where you you, you process it and mm. deal with it, but also you communicate with each other. I guess. Yeah. Sometimes it's not even about with with people you trust. It's it, like I found some of the the most enlightening times have been people that will not pass judgment because yeah. they don't know me as a person. So sometimes it's, it's almost been like when we was out in Spain to tell yourself and some of the other guys was there, like our journey, what we've been doing, it, it was like they, they gave us understanding and was like, it's okay. Whereas sometimes when you're telling people that you know, it's like, it's they'll, 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 yeah, they'll judge you automatically. Yeah. Um, and or or it can go the other way and they're like I didn't know that about you or try and fix it for you which sometimes isn't helpful is it no um, this is really interesting and this like, this obviously gives you more with with our branding business we base a lot of our work around story and we have like um, a nine step formula which is based on the classical like hero's journey and um in the journey, there's always there's a hero, which is your client. So your people who come into your boot camps. And there's a mentor, and you know that's you guys. You're the guide. You're the mentor that's guiding these people to get their desire and overcome their problems and roadblocks and obstacles. And it sounds like you do an amazing job of that. Um, and there are two traits that the mentor has to always have, and one is authority, and one is kind of empathy. And so it sounds like that you you really give people the opportunity to kind of process stuff or kind of bring out their best side in a group environment. And you mentioned the event in Spain and sharing with a group of strangers, but there's something really powerful about that group environment. And I guess that comes into your coaching that every day for for mums, busy mums every day. I think everybody needs somebody to believe in them. Even someone as powerful as, as Richard Branson in the business world, he has somebody that believes in him and tells him that that he can do it. And that gives him his belief system to say, do you know what? I can do that. That's why in, in the business industry, everyone goes on about having a mentor. And and I, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in it. And it's, it's not so much the knowledge that the mentor can give you. It's someone that, one, you can be accountable to. And two, just someone saying, like, you're doing all right. Just just keep going. Stop beating yourself up. You've, you've got this. And it's a really important point. It's like not beating yourself up. I think a lot of people are like, Oh God, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have three percent body fat. You know, I, I don't mm. have the perfect life. What am I doing? And that, I think that's that's like the goldfish bowl effect of social media is people are only sharing. Oh, look at me! I'm amazing, and this is amazing. My life's the edited version of life, and I think that's not real. Yeah. And um, I think people beat themselves up more than they should now. And it's really nice to hear that you kind of tackle that in your coaching. So, basically. Tell me about um, the dog, Sean. <laughs> just just changing changing tack for a bit. Um, Barry, is it Barry? Barry, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Can you can you tell us that story? So I was doing some private work after me and Mitch. Um, so last year we kind of had a bit of a bad time in the business, and um, there was kind of we needed some sort of cash injection. And the only other thing I'm good at than coaching is on disposable, and that's quite a well paid job out in very dangerous countries for for good reason. Um, so I went off and done that. And um, while I was out there, I found we were, we were doing a job and we blew up a building, um, which was just laced of IDs. It was that decision of we could go in there and disarm 100 IDs, but we could die possibly once or we can just mow down the building. And we got the governor's consent to do it. We blew it up. And on the way back, maybe 10 minutes later, there was kind of this whimpering from um, another building um, a bit further down. It's kind of like, it sounded like a child. And it was all like, oh no, what's going on here? We thought, did, did something happen? Did something fly over or did 
did what happened and we kind of dragged up this concrete pad and there was all these dogs maybe like my four or five dogs and Barry and these dogs were all dead and there was Barry just kind of whimpering at us and she opened it up she legged it and we thought that was it we went back to the same site the next day because we was doing more jobs in that kind of area and she was there in this little courtyard area um, and we kind of walked past she wasn't whimpering this time at us and she kind of just laid there looking at us and it becomes this kind of little the next day we bought her food and then we were stroking her and then we just kind of bought more food and then everyone kind of got this emotionally attached to her and then the last day we were driving there and I just turned around to my one of my guys and I said, we're going to take the dog today. And they were like, what? We'll take the dog back to camp. You're not allowed to take the dog back to camp. I was like, we're going to take the dog back to camp. I'm not leaving the dog there. And that was it. We just picked I picked Barry up and um, she'd already been called Barry by this point and Barry's a she. Okay. We thought Barry was a he <laughs> at some point because when we couldn't touch her for like four or five days, we just called her Barry and that was it. You're Barry and I called her a boy in all my videos and it was, yeah, trying to explain that afterwards was, yeah, so the, yeah, we kind of got her back to camp and she was just become inseparable from us. She was our our dog, um, the camp dog. She was my dog. Um, she come on every job I went on. Um, and now last month I got her back to the UK. So you brought her back to the UK and like she's your dog now. So yeah. like, and, and also like the kind of company dog because yeah, massively. Yeah. I know she features in some of your events and some of your boot camps. Yeah, she's really part of the Beyond Limits family now. She, she, she's at all the she's got her own uniform everything I, I, I can see there's a picture I'm looking at here and basically if you want to kind of uh, find out more about Sean and Mitch you can you can find them on Facebook uh, like for the time being um, I'll put some links up under the show so you can click on their kind of uh, Facebook profiles but there's a really nice uh, team photo like Beyond Limits team photo uh, with Barry the- it's weird because Barry really brought the company back together again to be honest with you we all mm. I, I mean I thought it massively haven't you mm. where like all of a sudden it's all just sort of come back together again and we're all back on a positive vibe and it's since Barry came over to be fair I think it's so essential that people talk about in, in the age of social media where everything's shiny and fucking wonderful that people talk about the fact that they have business problems that there's a point where the business is not doing well you need to go and get some cash and just that story is so like uh, useful and kind of important for other business owners and just other people to hear because it's not all plain sailing. What you just said then about um, owning up to when you fucked up is something me and Mitch would never have done. And we, Mitch decided that we are going to do 100 Days Lives. I didn't want to do it, but Mitch decided we were going to do it. So we're doing it. And uh, Mitch so, is 100 Days Live Facebook yeah, video. So he's doing Facebook, I'm doing Instagram. Okay. And it's, it's become what you were saying about Instagram and like social media being that shiny persona. That's kind of what everyone does. And I think that's really changed me and Mitch now to how, what we put out. Like I'll do my live video and I'll be completely and totally nice. Questions will come in. I've had, I've even had people sort of say really nasty things to me and I'll openly set up, read what they've said and oh, say what I've, yeah, and yeah. say what I've, I've had people from the Middle East kind of call me certain things judge me and call me one call me American which is offensive in its own work but <laughs> um, that's different though <laughs> yeah but yeah they were kind of just assumed that I was in that country for a certain thing yeah and they don't realise I was there for humanitarian work and I was getting rid of IEDs and bombs from schools and stuff but they'll which make a comment kind of important work like, yeah yeah but I'll make a cut and I'll, I'll try and be as honest as I can and Mitch with his lives will be very honest about the business and where we're at and but three or four months ago we'd never be that open and honest because we're like oh, if people know that we're, we're fucked up and we're, our finances are so bad they're not going to come to us. Whereas actually that's the complete polar opposite. Now we've been so open about it and everyone knows, we're like, oh, but like Mitch, Mitch would say, oh yeah, like, it's even the serious stuff. No one know, knew why I went to Syria. They just thought we, I just went just because it's cool and that's what I do. 
it wasn't. There was a, a very practical financial reason why I went. Okay. And um, there's very big reasons why we do things, but we never tell anyone. Whereas now we're actually telling people why we do things. And Mitch covered it in one of his lives the other day. And he was saying that like, we made these mistakes and this is what we've done. And so many people were like, I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't even know you was in that much trouble at that point because we was all like trying to be all shiny and nice. And when, yeah, it was, like, it's been so nice the past few weeks of people knowing such a deep level of us and the mistakes we've made and people actually getting helped by it. We're actually getting a lot more business. And this is the power of the mentor, like the empathy and the authority of the mentor. And also like, I think this is the power of story, like sharing an authentic story nowadays because there's so much marketing hype out there. If you can tell an authentic story, like your message, your message. Because mm. there are other people out there, whether it's the story of a client, like a, a mum who's struggling with something and kind of transforms her body in your boot camps and then goes on to do other stuff in life. Or whether it's you guys owning a business and like, fuck, you know, what are we going to do? Like next week we're going to, implode if we don't do something quickly i think that relates back to when we when we first started this interview and you said about the the quick fixes yeah. is that like now we don't do the th quick fixes we get the people that believe in what we believe in um and in terms of how it's like now we're attracting the people that believe in the same things as us because we're putting out what we believe in not what the media is telling us not we should be frustrated with the clients that aren't doing like, why aren't you doing this i don't understand why you're not it's because they don't have the same belief system as us, or not. They're not sold on our. So idea. if they're not, if they're not a good fit, then you know it's not that you don't want to work with them. It's just yeah. you know it's better that you know they go and find someone else. And I think this is the this is the power and the future of certainly business marketing. It's like being authentic, but like proper authentic, mm -hmm. not kind of the fake authentic that everyone else is trying to yeah. do. And you know our brand company is called Brand Lighthouse. And for me, a lighthouse is a really personal thing. But the lighthouse is is, is a brand that like guides people in to find it and mm. helps them get through like the stormy waters rather than shouting and going kind of grabbing people does that make sense that yeah, analogy yeah. is like pulling people in because you've got a powerful story you're doing something you absolutely believe in and you love uh, and you're changing lives at the same time and i think that not many people find a business recipe that's got those ingredients and uh, i think when you do and you have a credible story to back it up it's fucking powerful so it's a, it's a pleasure to hear like you know to go deeper into these bits of the story um Next question I wanted to ask you is how how would you like to change the world? And like Mitch, I've got a little bit of insight <laughs> into the fact that this might be a question to direct at you. So, um, like anything goes, you know. Uh, yeah, no, no. For me, it's just to impact and change as as many lives as as we physically can. Like I have I have mad creative dreams, like we mentioned earlier when uh, I said about being the first boot camp on the moon and stuff like that. So, just talk talk about that for a second. Like, what, how did you come to that idea? Like, what? Uh, if Branson can do it, I can do it. So, because Branson's just done the first commercial space flight. Yes, then he's now tapped into a belief system that, because if, if, if 40 years ago, Branson was sat on a podcast with you and he said, I'm going to do the first passenger space, space flight to the moon, you'd be sitting here with the same thought system that we're thinking now when I say I'm going to put the first boot camp on the moon. It's like, yeah, all right. But if, if someone like that can, can do it and he's, he's worked, he's, he's part of the get, then it's, it's possible and it just... Him doing that for me, I really I took a lot out of it because it was it's, it's such a. If you go back forty years, and if he had said that, it's like even if we went back five years, it's like that is such an out there statement to say that you're going to achieve, and the fact that you've actually gone and uh, and achieved something on such a uh, an amazing scale that could revolutionise the whole world is is amazing, isn't it? Do you need those big? 
like almost impossible challenges to keep you motivated? Do you need stuff on the horizon that's pulling you forwards? Yeah, like uh, I said about earlier about um, like making strategies and, and stuff like that. I've got so many ideas that I've already built the strategy of how I'm going to get there. It's just getting the skills and, and, the, and the people required to get there. And what I found is every time I come up with a crazy idea, like we, we scrap that idea, we don't do it. But then six months later, it's, it's, it appears in a different form. Like, um, what was it about? About eight months ago, I said to Sean, we need to create our own fitness competition, uh, a fitness league where people come and compete against each other, average people, normal mums, stuff like that. Um, and we need to create a team and, and, and go and do a competition. And then it was like, oh, it was not possible. We tried it with a few boot camps. No one was really interested. And we sort of forgot about it and carried on building that company. And eight months later, we did the Power Wave Games fitness competition and our team absolutely smashed it. And we didn't even, so it just, although we didn't focus on it, it appeared. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of put the intention out there that at some point you want to mm. like focus on this area or you've got these goals or these targets. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's really important to have like kind of big, juicy, like targets that scare you a little bit to kind of drag you forwards and this is something I've really struggled with over sort of a, a few years is because I, I, I had a clothing company which I set up from scratch and was, was lucky and it was really successful and I was like in my mid-twenties had like a seven-figure clothing business and it kind of didn't feel that hard to put it together now the idea of doing that from scratch is kind of scary but and then when I came back when I came into health and fitness afterwards I started personal training I was trying to sell boot camp places for 99 pounds a month and like people weren't buying and I was like, fuck, this is not motivating me because it's just not, it, it's, it wasn't juicy enough, kind of scary enough kind of target. And I think there's, there's there's power in having those, you know, those slightly impossible games that you'd like, if I go all out to get this, there's still a risk that I might not get it, but it's very energising. And I guess in, in the kind of fitness world, that translates to maybe competitions like fitness races and events and some of the things your clients have ended up doing, you know, like the kind of, um, the event you just talked about. I wanted to ask you about mistakes and we, we call these precious fuck-ups or like precious mistakes. Are there any like big mistakes that you've made in your business that you, you've you come to love and be really fond of because it's taught you an invaluable lesson? And would you be willing to share a couple? I think one of them that sticks out massively is we, um, very early on in our business, like we're talking in the first year, we franchised into another area in Kent. Looking back on it now, we both, we still just like, why did we do that? But at the time, it was like the offer was put out there. We were still in that stage. We were just like, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that, we'll do that. And we had no real understanding of business or how to actually do it. And we built it on a house of cards. It was a contract off Google. It was <laughs> this money because of no reason whatsoever. It's going to cost this amount for a franchise. If someone said why, I couldn't give you an answer. It was just because that seems about right. And it just, everything we'd done to that point there... And then when it all messed up because of the mistakes we made, we now know that well, the lessons we learned out of that is we now have copyrighted logos. Our brand is trademarked. That's done now. We should have really done that before then. Um, and that's important stuff, isn't it? Because like, you know, your your brand, like there's a lot more to a brand than a logo, but it's a massive piece of it. And you need to protect that. Yeah, yeah hugely. Um, and also planning. If we're asked to do something, we have to really, really look at it. There's little things that we still kind of, like something will come our way, we're like, yeah, we'll do that. No real fault, but it's nothing major. Whereas this was kind of, yeah, we it's, it's one of those mistakes we always look back on and we think, why did we do that? But some good come out of it. We've got the co- logo copyrighted, we've got the trademarks in. It made us understand about building our processes better. Yeah. 
Like, so when we actually looked about uh, what we should have done with a franchise, it was a business in a box. So we then started to look at our processes and, and how can we sort of put our business in a box. So if further down the line, we was going to do a franchise, then we've, we've actually got everything there to be able to do it. Um, and also off the back of that as well, is it now instead of jumping in feet first with everything, we have to have a team meeting and we have to thrash it out because nine times out of 10 now, we have an idea that previously we would have just jumped straight into, we would have made it work. It would have been, it would have been okay, but it might have been contradictory to our brand or it might not have been quite what we should be putting out there. But now we have the meetings and we have times to process it and actually put more thought behind it. We either don't go ahead with the idea or we do it and it's, it hits all of our targets and all our messages. So you filter it through like different personality types yeah. in a team meeting. And I think that's really, really important, isn't it? Because yeah. I'm super impulsive and always have been as well. Yeah. You'll leap on something which is like on a massive tangent to what you should be doing. Yeah. And uh, I think that I think those mistakes are the best way to learn though. I think that when you get your fingers burned and there are consequences to it, you, you generally don't repeat it. And if you do, then you're a bit stupid if you do it enough times. I mean, um, hopefully you don't. Going back to the impulsive, like, the, the, the biggest problem we've probably had in the company is we're both impulsive. So, for instance, uh, I'm going to give you an example of when we bought a marquee. Um, so, <laughs> a marquee? Yes, yeah, so we do our boot camps. That's a good lesson. We, we, we do yeah. our boot camps outside. And we was like, people was moaning because of the weather, the rain. We was like, okay, let's get an indoor space. So, we bought this this marquee. It was like two and a half grand, commercial standard. Sean was going going off to Syria. So, it was like we had... Sean was like, I want to see it up before I go. So we whacked it up, didn't completely finish it. I was off on a water training course um, and Sean had gone and left the country. I woke up on, that. I had to, it was a residential water rescue course. So I had to stay there. And it was about, it was about an hour away from where our boot camps were. And I woke up in the morning with a message from the lady that owned the farm. And it was a picture of the marquee on top of the farm roof. <laughs> and I was like I need to be at my course in like five minutes and I was ringing around Sean wasn't around my coaches wasn't around so I had no choice I had to leave my course um, shoot down to the farm when I got there there was the uh, lady that owned the, owned the farm her dad and the caretaker and it was literally hanging off of this, this this marquee, feet off the floor, trying to pull it down from causing more damage. So what happened? Like the wind had got the wind, it, the wind, it yeah, we had, we had the, hurricanes. The kicker, the kicker of this is what happened on the Monday, the storm traps. Yeah, so that it was actually that morning I'd, I'd bought hurricane pegs and storm traps. <laughs> and it literally, as soon as I pressed buy on Amazon, the tech came through with it on the, uh, on the roof. And the worst thing about it was a week before we bought the marquee, we asked the lady on the farm, and she was. She said, "I don't think it's a good idea. We get really bad winds here." And we was like, "No, no, no! I've researched it. It's going to be fine. <laughs> It'd be fine." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, big lesson. Yeah. Something else that I think is really important. I wanted to explore for a little bit is the fact that when you franchise a business, you need to have a business in a box. And what you mean by that is you need like systems, yeah. processes, mm -hmm. intellectual property, frameworks. Like, because there are a billion trainers out there now. Like, let, let's be honest for a moment. Like, personal trainers, there are thousands and thousands of, like, mediocre personal trainers out there. Everyone gets lumped into the same category. It's a very commoditized industry. Um, and you have to have stuff that differentiates you. Yeah. And not just fitness businesses, but, like, any business. And so when I coach, like, business owners, entrepreneurs, we work with people on the branding side, one thing that's 
I was really surprised within the early days is that some people who are amazing at what they do and very successful don't have like a process, a unique process or systems. And they have basically everything in their head. And so, which is, I think, a very dangerous thing as a Mm. business owner, because if anything happens to you or if you decide you want to go and do something else or you want to scale up or you want to franchise, it's actually a lot of work creating those processes and those systems. So would you advise people to do that from the very beginning, like when you're setting up something like a bootcamp, a fitness company, any kind of like business? I think it'd be very hard to do it from set up personally because you don't know what's working. I, I think you need to keep changing your systems and keep doing different things until you find a system that works. Once you know when the system's working, that's when you need to start getting it onto 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 paper. And when when you... I find when you've got a system that you feel could transfer to another place, then it's worth then it's worth making sure you've got it in that box. Whereas in the early days, you're trying so many different things. I think your your box would become messy. And if you break it down to its simplest form, like bootcamp, when we first started, one of our biggest problems, which is so little and minor, is how do how do how do we take payments at the van? We're in a van, in the middle of a field. How do we take payments? Call up. We'll get this card reader and we'll do cash great idea cool how do we how does it work how do we systemize that how do we how do we know that x person's paid or x person's paid and we had to we had to go through that to then be like hang on we don't have a spreadsheet or any with anyone on it so we don't know who's paid what so let's create that then cool right like, who's going to watch who's going to watch that how is that going to be updated automatically or do we have to do it manually and there's all these things that you don't know until you get there like we set up the boot camp and it was like oh we don't take cards Oh, we need a card payment machine. Oh, we need to make that happen. So we've done that. And then how do you get this bit? And how does that work? And oh, actually, we actually do need this. So it's like learning by experience. So you're basically kind of coming up against stuff. You're like, shit, we need this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's putting out fires as they're coming up. Yeah, instead then, of preempting a problem and saying, like, we have bought softwares. But we thought, oh, yeah, that's going to be really good. But because it's not a problem, it just becomes an expense that never gets used. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's better to experience the problem, find the solution, because then that solution has meaning behind it. And do you now try and like, so you come up something like the card payments, you, you come up against the problem. Do you now try and systematize it? Go like make a point of creating a system out of that. So you don't That's have something to we're trying to really hard work fixing. on is to, once we've got a system that kind of works, how do we automate that system now? How do we, so we know we need a card reader. We know we need cash. We know we need a spreadsheet to know that these people have paid. Uh, and we know that this person is responsible for it. Now, how do we automate that so that payment goes through to them and we know that person's paid? And now, now we've got that system in place that will then go onto a document. So if you was to start working for us tomorrow and you, your job was to take payments, say, right, access this document, there, there you go. Like it, So it's almost foolproof. So you create the process yes. so that like you can... I think a lot of business owners struggle with is they come up against a problem they solve it and then they do it again and they do it again and they do it again rather than actually taking because you have to invest time yeah. and effort sometimes money in creating a system mm. but then once you've done it once it's done yeah. it's done and then hopefully you can scale up your business that much quicker mm. because you've tackled those problems um, who who's helped you get where you are or kind of just guided you along the way are there any specific guides or mentors you have in either of your lives who stand out it's like a multitude of people really at different points where we've been in the business sort of journey different people have cropped up um like at the beginning we had uh, a guy called james it was when we was in the very early days and he kind of gave us a first look at how businesses actually work because him and Mitch are both from 
public service background, so we don't know business at we had, all. We hadn't even tracked a penny that had come in for the first four months. We was just like, cool. How much money are we taking in? I don't really know. Um, there's some money in the tin. It was, it was kind of that. And he was kind of the first person that gave us like a business structure. And then from there, we kind of moved forward. And then um, Will come around and Will was one of uh, Mitch's friends who does motivational talking and sort of helps you kind of mould your business. He's, he's more of a, a life coach. So mm. he was more, he worked on getting me into a better place after the Grenfell stuff. And that I took it quite, quite hard in terms of, again, not feeling good enough and stuff like that. I needed that reassurance that I was going to be okay. What was that related to? Was that related to the fact that you, you witnessed something that was horrific and you couldn't do enough? Or it, it was, it was, it was that. It was the first job I've been in where I, I, I was like, I need to get out of here. Um, but well, actually, while it was happening, yeah, when I was when I was in there, it was so hot. But it, the hardest part for me with it was everybody knowing. Um, whereas I can go to a, a job at a fire service, go to the gym the next day, and I could have had the most horrific job the night before, but nobody knows. Mm. So it's fine, I keep to myself. After Grenfell, everyone know, knew I had been there. So I was in the gym, everyone was asking me, am I all right, am I all right? So basically what they was actually doing was they kept lifting the lid off the box. So every time someone was asking me, are you all right? That little, that box was opening a little bit and things were coming out and then I just didn't know how to deal with it. So I ran away. I went to <laughs> I went to Greece for a few weeks. That that's that's how I deal with it. I ran away from the situation and then it was kind of a lot of time thinking about things and overthinking. And then it got to the point where I was like, I need to get all the people around me that can get me into a better place. So I employed a therapist, I employed a life coach, and they just got me back on track. And so certain people turn up at certain points in your life to yeah. help you uh, kind of take the next step. Mm, yeah. Um, who who inspires you like on a daily basis? Like who who's a big inspiration to you? It could be like an influencer in the industry, uh, celebrity, The Rock, or it could just be like, you know, a parent, a friend, you know. Yeah, I mean, Branson, as I mentioned earlier, like the fact that he's managed to do something that's so beyond the, the realm of what we thought was was possible. Guys like Gary V, uh, I love the stuff that he puts out on his YouTube channel and stuff. I think sort of um, business-wise, and I like to look at people that are specific to our business, so hence why we went to Spain with those guys and not just any old business kind of thing was they were specific in the fitness world. And there's people that I watch on social media that are in the fitness world that are miles ahead of us and I kind of watch them and I'm like, I can't wait to be where they are. But for me, a, a, from a really personal sort of point is my dad. It's kind of in a really non, like he doesn't teach. It's weird to, he doesn't actually sort of, I won't get home and be like, oh dad, this happened. And he will teach me like a big life lesson. I'm like, oh my God, my mind's open. It's just watching my dad day in and day out. Like nothing's a problem. Like, yeah. So my dad uh, got cancer a few, we found out he had cancer a few months ago and it's kind of cool. And I was saying before about, very practical and that's how my dad is like and I didn't realise that when that happened I was very practical like so we found out had cancer and the first thing I said was like cool what's, what's happening next oh this is happening cool well, what's the procedure after that cool what's this what's that what's that it wasn't daddy you're right in the cuddle that happened afterwards but it was like what's this what are the steps here what's going to happen here and he was the exact same when he told me he was like right I have this type of cancer it's gonna it's this it's this big it's here this is the procedure this is how it's going to happen this is what the next six months looks like. This is what the next year looks like. That was the first thing me and him discussed. It wasn't, oh, are you okay? After that, we hugged and it was all sort of emotional after that. But that's just like every day is 
it's just everything's just not a drama. Like he lost when he, he found it the cancer, then he lost his job straight afterwards. Straight, like straight. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was kind of he he was he knew the company was going through this redundancy period, and he'd applied for a job within the company, and there was four spaces, and there was four people going for it. So it's kind of and he didn't get it. So kind of you can't say it because you don't know and you're never going to know. But kind of they, I don't think they wanted to take on that kind of someone that's got the cancer and through that I mean, you can never make you can never say they've done that but yeah um that's kind of how it felt but at the same time dad lost his job he's like cool right i've got six months till the redundancy i can and then he worked out his money i can survive until june until we've really got to get something going um so he's kind of he, he's just planned he's not got upset about it he's just well i'll do this i'll do this I'll do this i know this is going to happen now and i can do this i've got this in the bank um the kids are doing this he kind of knows where everything is it's like a chess game and there's practical. no emotion. Yeah, practical. But yeah. I know full well dad's got a box in his head and he, he'll go off and have his emotional side, but everything's a process. And that's kind of, I, I watch in awe of it. It's kind of, so yeah. watch dad day in, day in, day out, go through the process of, like, you wouldn't even know he's got cancer. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, it just inspires you, the fact that he kind of just is on a kind of the journey focusing on one step at a time and yeah. just kind of focusing on... Even Dan's like, uh, he has chemo every single Saturday. So he he wake up Saturday for chemo day wake up at seven he'll make his sandwich he'll make his juice he'll have a shower he'll come down he'll walk the dog he'll come back he'll then make the rest of the lunch he's gonna have then and he'll go like everything is it's in place and there's no emotion in that process like oh it's chemo day I've got to be at there at nine so I wake wake up at seven do my lunch I'll do my tea I'll do my juice um, he'll have his uh, there's like certain things he's got to take before it like just. Not like um, tablets or anything like he has like pineapple or stuff just to, there's like a thing about it. Um, but he, he does all this and then he goes off, he'll sit there for five hours with a needle in his arm and read a book and chill. And then he'll come back and it's as if nothing's happened. And it's nice that you've got a cross section in your in your business of like influences and inspirations from like someone like Branson down to like the very personal kind of, uh, you know, inspiration of your dad. I've seen a video that you guys produced. In fact, when we met in Spain, you showed me a video of one of your events. I think it's called Warfare. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Can you just tell me a little bit about the event? Because it looked, looked fucking cool. Mm -hmm. um, it made me want to go and join in, basically. Um, what is What are these events? Who, who are they aimed at? And what are you trying to achieve with them? So the events are aimed at exactly what our business is aimed at, making everyday people feel like they can do absolutely anything. Um, a nice analogy Mitch kind of made was, you want to make every everybody feel like a superhero. Like, you, would you rather be Barbie or would you rather be Tomb Raider? Would you rather be Ken or would you rather be Action Man? And that's kind of what these events are. It's for those couple of hours at this event, you feel like an absolute machine. And even and that will carry over for days, that sense of achievement in this. And Warfare was one of the most nasty events we've, we've come up with. And it was that for that exact reason. We wanted to push people to the absolute extreme that they had an armband on. And if they wanted to give up, they could. And we were actually in people's faces like, give me your armband. Like, you're never going to do it. Why do you think you can do it? You can't do it. Give me your armband. And afterwards, they were like, I honestly didn't think I would do it. I wanted to give my armband the entire time. I was like, but you didn't. So they've got the option at any point throughout the day to throw in the towel. That was kind of, give you their armband. It that was, was something that we kind of didn't really know how powerful it was going to be until we got very close to it. It was like, that's such a powerful... Giving someone the option to quit is so much more powerful than giving someone the option not to quit. Like, yeah. we can hold someone into something that like, you can't escape this, or you can be like, doors there, 
go when you want to go. That's like kind of really, that gets a lot into mind games, mindset mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. I've got a, a friend of mine who I did a bit of coaching with a couple of years back who was a, he was a PTI in the Paris for like 10 years. And he used to tell me what they would do with some of the kind of guys. They would like run them on a big old kind of like on a run with mm. like kit. And it sounded quite brutal. And then they'd get back and they'd be like, right, we're going again. We're going to go around again, the whole thing. And they weren't. They would like make them run yeah. like in a quarter of a mile and then they'd stop it. But like just playing with people's minds, a lot of people would just be like, oh, fuck you, I'm not doing it. And they would quit at that point. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting, I, I'm really drawn to this sort of side from what I read about, you know, kind of some of the forces training and things like that. It's just, how would I react uh, in that situation? You know, when it's really grueling and you've really got to dig in and push beyond the, the limits you have in your own head, would I, would I give my armband up? And I think the fitness side of things, I feel quite confident I can dig in and I can kind of grind through stuff. Mm. But one thing I'm fascinated by is the mental side. Mm. I think, you know, with the fire service, with the kind of bomb disposal side of things, with some of the stuff you watch on TV, like you know, the SAS kind of uh, who dares wins, I'm really interested in how, how I would handle interrogation. Mm. I reckon I'd be a fucking pussy. And I'd be like, <laughs> five minutes in, I'd be like, no, no. But um, I guess until you're exposed to that situation, you don't really know. So I kind of like where you're going with the event you've yeah, got. Because it's, it's about that experience that's outside of your normal day-to-day life. Um, and, and again, just testing you from something that you was completely un- unexpecting. Do you know what I mean? So it's, again, when these challenges pop up that you you wasn't expected in normal life it's like you have been through things where you're like do you know what i've been through worse and i can get through this all i know is i've just need to master my mind and it's like what you said at the beginning like you know if you put someone in the right environment you don't know what they're made of and like sometimes people will absolutely flourish and i guess you need to be in the setting and you need to like modern life on the whole is really comfortable you know like we've got abundant calories we've got electricity information entertainment on demand you know you can jump on an easy jet flight to pretty much anywhere we're kind of comfortable on the whole and we don't challenge ourselves and i think that humans are designed to be challenged and i think we thrive on adversity not all the time but just like having those little points in life where you're like fuck i'm up against it and i yeah. have to dig in I, I i love the fact that you're bringing that out of like uh, i people. think one of the um the key things around that warfare one i think the guys that got the most out of it was the guys that handed in their armbands mm. because they came away from it they were really, really frustrated with themselves and they learned something about themselves that they didn't know. And then they, they was like, when can I do it again? Because they wanted to prove to themselves that like just in that split moment, they threw in their armband. But after 10 seconds of sort of calming down and bringing us, they was like, oh, damn it. Like, I, could, I, I, could I have held on another five minutes and yeah. that things might have kind of been a bit, got a bit easier. And, uh, but you know, yeah, been you kind of used the, the military analogy there and you're saying about that run. Um, we used to do it all the time. It's, it's it's horrible because we know it's like we've done it so many times, but still, because there's times where they actually make you do the second one, then they make you do the third one, then they make you do the fourth, fifth, sixth. But with the tenth one, they'll be like, "No, nah, we're not going to do it now." But it's there's guy. I, I done a training course in Wales. And it was a month long on top of a mountain. It was the most awful thing I've ever experienced. And there was fifty of us that started, and there was eight of us that finished. Right. Okay. And there was guys right at the very end that were just like, "No, nah, I can't do it no more." And you can see as soon as they put their hand up, they're like, shouldn't have done that. Because you can't miss far. But like, that's it's the that, thing. It's, it's milliseconds. You say, I'm done. And then instantly like, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. But then that feeling that they'll get from when they said it's done and then they've realised that they're done and they're frustrated, 
next time they come up against a challenge situation and they're at that point, they're like, I don't want to stop because I remember how bad I felt about mm. myself when I did it, when I stopped last time. And it just encourages them to push that little bit further on again. Yeah. I really like that. I'd like to come on one of your events one day. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you what your definition of success is. This is a really important thing for me because I think too many people out there are looking at other people's lives, other people's goals. You know, they're looking at social media and saying, I want this type of car and I want this much money. And uh, I'm interested in people's individual definition of success and what success means to you. Because I think for some people, it can be spending time with my family, being a really good parent having a job that I love and you know that's it that's a successful life for me so you know kind of like Mitch what what does success mean to you for me I'm a council estate kid single parent family single parent family don't see my dad haven't seen him since I was about 10 years old so for me to be able to get my family to a a stable position and sort of provide and make sure my mum's safe and make sure that my whole family is never has to go through the journey that I, like, I want to do the hard work for the rest of my family so they don't have to go through that. Um, I'm sure in every different walk of life that everyone's on a different journey anyway. But in, like, So to have the money to be financially free, to travel the world and, and, and go wherever I want, but mainly to inspire people and to coach people to be the, the very best that they, they can be. And that's since, obviously, like I touched upon earlier, taking on a couple of coaches and and my job now is to get the best out of them and that's what I found that I really love doing and if I could do that on a mass scale then then to me that would be successful and to be, to do it authentically to have lived it and breathed it and experienced it and then help somebody that needs somebody someone somewhere that needs somebody to believe in them and for me to be the person that believes in them and help them get to the next level then that for me would be success and so you basically you want to impact have an impact, change lives, help people yeah. and make money while you're doing it, yeah. which is yeah, lovely. Sean, like same question to you. What's your definition of success? I kind of have this on two far. It's kind of I have my personal success and my business success. I mean, I've, my my main drive and it always has been is to, I want to buy my parents' house. I want to send my parents away. Um, not forever, just away. <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go. Um, no, I want to kind of, I want to pay for them to go on a holiday because um, my parents have really financially helped me out when I've been in trouble because as Mitch sort of said in his interview we, we, we're quite we just do things off a whim um, I've done that a lot and come up against it financially and they've really helped me out um, and I'm, I'm the same as Mitch I'm from a cancer state my dad mum and dad come from absolutely nothing and this is again why I'm all my dad he's kind of built us and his family and just, we're not in the cancer state anymore we've got a, a nice house in a nice area and he's done that off his own back with no help whatsoever um, so I'd like to sort of like reward him with at least buying his house and sending my parents away um, but then I've got my own personal family I left the army to start a family many years ago now um, that hasn't happened but I think that's be- it hasn't happened because I'm not there in my life yet I'm not I assume that when I leave the army I'll be successful and I'll start I want to have a family I want to have like, I've got this picture that someone drew for me and it's a house with a truck a wife a dog a kid and a duck <laughs> that's that's my picture of I've made it in life when I've got house truck dog kid wife and uh, yeah, duck yeah. duck okay duck. a duck called Stephen I don't know where it come from but it just happened one and that's it <laughs> I, I like it because it's very individual that's, that's that's a lighthouse you know like uh, we've got the business lighthouse but also a personal lighthouse for me is a, is a thing that's like a big overarching kind of dream and I think it's very very powerful to have you know, to, to go deep on what you actually want in your life and why it's important to you and not anyone else, 
but like you, because I think that's very, very powerful. And also, I think two of the hardest questions for most people I've worked with to answer is, what do you want and what makes you happy? And a lot of people are like, actually, I don't know. And I think that's a really interesting area to kind of get into. So I want to kind of wrap things up. We we have this process in, in our branding work, which is called Lighting the Beacons, and it's part of the hero's journey. And a hero wants something, and they come across certain problems which are stopping them from kind of getting it. And then they need to mentor, which is you guys in the case of your clients and in the work that you do. And the mentor gives them a magical gift, which is your coaching, knowledge, expertise, but also does something called lighting the beacons, which creates a path for them to get from A to B. And I wonder, do you have like a simple process you can outline in like three to six steps that would help someone, in your case, kind of transform their fitness, their health, their weight, and like kind of perform at a better level, higher level in their life? Yeah, for us, we've we've got um, like a belief system called the 3XB. So basically it follows the principles of 3B. So we have build, burn, and then beyond. Um, and each phase we, we try to, it's fitness-based, but we can also, we also have made the system so that it can transfer into everyday life or or anything you're experiencing in your life at the minute so for instance the build phase in in the in the realm of fitness is it's about building your fitness building your friendships building new habits building a new lifestyle then they'll move into the burn phase which is burning old habits burning the calories and 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 burning limit, limiting beliefs and then we go into the beyond which is is exactly what it says on the tin it's everything beyond that it's it's the mental side of things and how far can you actually push yourself? And what we try and get our clients to do is we want them to look at that system and when they're going through a struggle, we need them to understand what phase of the 3XB they're in. So they can then, so if they're going through a troubled time and, and they're, they're trying to get to that next level and they're, they're hitting walls, they're hitting walls, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm just in the burn phase and I know that this burn phase isn't going to last forever and then I'm going to get into the beyond. Or when someone's at the beyond and they can't against the struggle and they're like, it's fine. We just need to get back to the build phase before we can get to the next level. So yeah, that's kind of our, our belief system. So build, burn and beyond. Yes. Okay. That's really nice. Like three steps, really, really nice. And kind of each is a distinctive phase. that's going to help someone get from A to B. Yeah. And all you do is you just repeat that cycle. So you go burn. uh, Once you've done burn, you go to beyond. Once you're in beyond, then you can't just keep going beyond. You have to go back to burn to then go through the process again. Something's always going to crop up. So it's a continual process. Like yeah. for, it's like, sort of like a framework for life, yeah. like to achieve stuff. And I, I imagine you can apply this to not just health, fitness, weight loss, but business, you know, any area of life. I mean, the, the kind of the way we've explained it in so many different ways because you can just apply it so many ways. Like if you look at it from a joining the army point of view, you your build phase is in, the, in basic training. And then your burn phase is when you're you've taken what you've learned from basic training, you're you're putting it under pressure in these environments that they put you in, sort of they take you to all these countries and put you in scenarios of war. Then beyond is when you go to war. But then when you come back from war, you've got to go back to build because you've got to learn the new things and you've got to relearn what you've done, otherwise you can forget. And if you put it to business, when you start the business, you're in build. Then you're um, putting the business under pressure when you actually take it to market and you're working hard. There's your uh, burn. And when you're in beyond, you, you kind of, you've succeeded, but then you've kind of said a couple of times that there are those times where you go down and you're like, something's not working or something doesn't work. And then you need to revisit build and you need to build on, well, that didn't work, so I'm going to go back to build. 
I'm going to put it under pressure, then I'm going to go beyond again. And you can just keep cycling through that motion. It's just any troubling situation you come across, apply the three-step method and you'll get there. And so it's like, essentially, it's continual evolution and it's continual improvement, which I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life is you don't ever get anywhere. (laughs) Basically, you can be successful and you can achieve certain things, but then it's just a case of like, um, what's next? It's about the journey. It's about the process. Mm -hmm. So... Like, I want to say thank you so much to both of you, Mitch and Sean, for coming on to the podcast. Um, it's been fascinating, like talking to you, listening to you, learning from you. And I love your stories and I love your brand and I love your philosophy and what you're doing and how kind of like energized and passionate you are about helping people. And I can't wait to kind of see more and hear more from you. If people wanted to get in touch, if people want to find out more about you and if people want to find out more about the 3XB mm-hmm. that build burn and beyond like how can they get a hold of you so uh we are called beyond limits coach on instagram and facebook yeah beyond limits coach beyond limits coach okay on instagram and facebook both of them our website is www.beyondlimitscoach.co.uk all okay. symbols <laughs> fantastic anything you want to leave our audience with or uh do you feel we've covered everything no, I feel like um, we've got a lot about what we sort of believe in. And what I'd really love is if anyone's listening to this and that takes inspiration from it or wants to know a little bit more, just just reach out to us and, and we're happy to sort of give our guidance and, and a little bit more story in order to, to help whoever has taken something away from this podcast. And the best way to probably is hit you with a message on Facebook? Yeah, or, yeah, Facebook yeah even or social ones, fine, yeah. Okay, Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay, Beyond Limits Coach. Yeah, Beyond Limits Coach. Cool, fantastic. Absolute pleasure. Wicked. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thanks right. for having us. Thank you. Thank you.